In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success? Who defined it? Who decided that success was the goal instead of fulfillment? What happens if we shake up that definition? What if we make our own definition of success? My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and on this podcast, I'm going to dig deep into the real stories behind success. Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and today we are connecting with Christine Comerford. And I'm excited. For over 30 years, Christine has helped leaders navigate growth and change. She specializes in applied neuroscience, which helps her clients achieve tremendous results in record time. As an entrepreneur, she has built and sold five companies with an average ROI of 700%. She's consulted to the White House for both Clinton and Bush. 700 of the Fortune 1000 and over 300 small and medium-sized businesses. Christine is a human behavior expert, leadership columnist for Forbes.com and the New York Times best-selling author of Power Your Tribe, Smart Tribes and Rules for Renegades. Please welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you, Tony. Man, I read that and I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'm going to let Christine <laughs> just run the show. I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, the show is Christine. Um, but to just ask one question out the gate to kind of get the show on the road. I ask every guest this one question. What is your definition of success? Oh, yeah. Success is standing in who you are. Success is waking up each morning feeling just naturally grateful. Just before you even get up, just waking up and being in gratitude. It's in thinking to yourself, oh my God, I am so lucky as you move through the day. It is, it's not happiness, it's joy, which I think is much deeper. I can resonate just right to that. You know, I think that happiness is that elusive state that comes and goes, but when you find pure joy and you love what you do, you're so successful already. Yeah. Exactly. So let's, let's back up just a little bit, get everybody kind of complete with you. I mean, you have an extensive resume. You've done some amazing stuff, worked with some amazing companies. Uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up in both Palos Verdes, California, which is a suburb of LA, and then Greenwich, Connecticut, bouncing back and forth. That's crazy. That's, that's a diverse distance <laughs> between two locations. I'm a California native. I, that's where I grew up. I live in Colorado now. I just pulled down the next state and moved. So what did you like different about both places? What was unique about those two uh, locations? Yes. Okay. So in Palos Verdes, what's crazy about Palos Verdes is they have tons of peacocks, wild peacocks. So you just grow up with peacocks everywhere, which is nuts. Um, and it's beautiful. And you just look out over the ocean. It's a gorgeous place. Safe, lots of peacocks, beautiful. Greenwich, Connecticut, I have to say, uh, very foresty, but I learned about power. I learned my first lessons about power in Greenwich, Connecticut, because it was an insanely wealthy area, and all my little girlfriends had these crazy power dads, and that's when I saw, like, domestic help and how some of my clients, or clients, some of my little girlfriends had, like, staffs of thousands running their households, and I was like, whoa, this is weird. That's interesting. So, it sounds maybe a little different how you grew up. 
Yeah, well, how I grew up was needing to be a bit of a chameleon because we moved several times from my dad's job and my parents were apart together, apart together. And I finally at 16 said, you guys work it out. Okay, I'm going to run away <laughs> because I'm over this. <laughs> And, uh, and that was super formative for me, needless to say. So I get that. I mean, I had a little bit of an upbringing that caused me to run between my two parents. They, they weren't uh, married. They were divorced. So I, I kind of was a chameleon. I, I'd go back and forth and I was trying to figure out, I think, a little bit of my identity. And I think identity is something most people, even today, they have an identity issue. They have a problem with identity. What did, what did you learn early on with seeing kind of the wealthy, right? And then knowing where you grew up, like I love the, the peacock visual. I really get that. Cause I think a lot of us do hide behind uh, mm -hmm. our feathers. Yeah. And then you get to go and see people who are abundant in their power and they, they have diversity in front of them and they're high achievers and there's something about it. So then you're kind of retaining from what it sounds like, I'm paraphrasing, uh, you're retaining kind of this input that you're getting and, and you're, you're taking this input in and at 16, you kind of put your foot down and say, Hey, you guys need to make up your, you know, your minds. Like I, I want what I want. Powerful stuff for a 16 year old to kind of have that mindset. Yeah. Well, I started studying different religions when I was 13. Cause I looked around at like all the wealth and the power and I was like, wow, these people really don't look very happy and they're actually not very nice. And then at 15, I went to a workshop that's now called Landmark. It was called Est back then, uh, famous for not letting you have bathroom breaks. And, <laughs> but I had to get my parents to go first because they said, you can, you know, call us when you're 18. You're 15, darling. Call us when you're 18. And I thought there's got to be a loophole. So I got my parents to go. Then they wrote a letter. Then I could go. So it was crazy to be 15 in this room full of adults, having their identities, back to your identity point, torn down, and then having them rebuild them. It was fascinating. The, the first part of the landmark, you know, forum, uh, advanced course, and then the self-expression leadership program. And like that was huge, kind of a, a pivotal moment in my life. So I'm glad that we at least get some language around it. A lot of people try stuff. And I've always said, like, if you're really looking for something to challenge yourself, a deep dive into who you are, where you're from and why you do what you do. And especially the rackets we all seem to run and the oh, yeah. blind spots that we all have that others can see, but we can't yeah. some powerful stuff. And so just thanks for sharing a little bit about that. So early on 15, 16 parents, write the letter, you go, you learn some stuff. What was like your biggest takeaway? Oh, I want to jump into where we're at today, but I believe building a solid foundation, I climb up success mountain with every person that I interview. I, I like to be the Sherpa to get you to the top and then come the Sherpa to take us down, right? All right. Because <laughs> everybody needs a Sherpa. Everybody needs somebody to say, hey, come on, we can do this together. You're not alone. Because yeah. you know, especially in, in my niche, you know, there's a lot of lonely entrepreneurs who see the success of others and then they aim for it, but they miss the mark because what they see is false. They don't yeah. really see true success because it's snapshots of cars, nice places and friends and family. And it's not real. The, 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 the journey of an entrepreneur is lonely. The journey yeah. is they feel like no one gets what they're going through. I'm, I'm a guy who was at the verge of committing suicide and a knock on the door saved my life. So I've been kind of at all sides of the entrepreneurial journey. What I want to know is at 16 years old, what was the biggest takeaway that helped build the climb foundation for you to get to where you're at today? 
Yeah, I'll never forget because this this uh, the S leader was wearing it was 1978 and he was wearing bell bottoms and I was watching as he paced back and forth on the stage I was watching the bottom of his pants and they were corduroy and I remember him him saying life is meaningless and you have no value that's the tearing down part <laughs> that they do and or did an S and I remember thinking well if life is meaningless oh cool then I get to create the meaning if I intrinsically have no value in this guy's opinion I don't believe that because I think we're all like slices of God so I'm not gonna buy into the second part but what's cool is I get to now take full responsibility for my entire experience and the entire rest of my life so when that happened at 15 then I said cool okay I'm gonna take responsibility I've been saving a bunch of money I'm gonna run away now yay okay here we go Wow I just had an aha moment to when my friend knocked on my door and saved my life. He, he, he said to me, Tony, your life has meaning and purpose. What you're doing right now doesn't. And that was the foundation for me to really decide that, yeah, I've been successful. I had, you know, a great marriage and then I'm now separated soon to divorce running a company. I still run today and all of these things happen. And that was my, what you don't want your parent to do is shake you, but that was my shaking moment. That was my, wow, I need to take full responsibility for my life. It's up to me. It's such an empowering thought. And I swear to God, it is true. You know? So you oh, and your, you yeah. and your girlfriends, <laughs> they have all their friends and, and everybody's helping them do this. And, and here comes Christine. I'm taking full responsibility for my life. And uh, just quick highlight, uh, an entrepreneur, she has built and sold five companies with an average ROI of 700%. She has consulted to the White House for both Clinton and Bush, 700 of the Fortune 1000 and over 300 small and medium-sized businesses. I don't think you took full responsibility. Uh, you're a slacker. I, I got to tell you, there is nothing working in your life, Christine. I don't know what you are doing. Just a sec, though, moment of truth. When you read that also, let's please look at the shadow. Let's please look at the achievement addiction. Let's just go there for a second. I know okay. because this is the real <laughs> Don't be too impressed. <laughs> yeah, don't be too impressed. <laughs> no, you know what? You know, it's so crazy is everybody wants to show like what they've done. Um, what I really want to know is how you got to where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's dedicating my work to amazing people, amazing causes, etc. So like... I'm not going to cry or I may cry. Um, just about 10 minutes before I got on with you today, I was assigned another patient. So in my volunteer work, I, I help people die. I do hospice volunteering mm. and I've helped uh, 48 people die. I have my 49th patient right now, Gary, and I just got my 50th patient, Marie. So within a couple of months, I will have helped 50 amazing people cross over and Marie is dying of pancreatic cancer, which killed my dad and my uncle. And she just found out a few weeks ago. And that is a very freaky time. And um, I'm just kind of going, wow, you know? Because I always knew my 50th, was, my 50th patient was going to be like a real whoa. And, uh, you know, here we are. Well, thank you for being able to be there for people. I know when we had a call, hospitus in for my father. Uh, my dad was 73 when he passed. Had Alzheimer's and dementia. And then coming up, it just was two years. My sister-in-law was 42 and hospice came in. And oh, um, sorry. it's not what anybody ever wants, but I'm so glad Karen, who was there for um, 
my sister-in-law was just so great really helping mm. the transition and then we still keep in touch my wife does a great job of keeping in touch with karen because it's such a powerful um time in your life my wife never left i give my wife kudos on every time i got to talk about her she never left her sister's side for the entire 30 days she was she never went home she never did anything other than stayed by my sis by her sister's side and was able to help transition with her wow so yeah. what you do to me like that's the second time I got to pause. I call these God shots. Like I'm not here today. Um, I'm here to contribute and make the world a better place. And then people like you come into my life and then remind me of the obligation and opportunity we have to help others. Right. If my podcast does nothing more than help one person today, when they get ready to go through a transition in their life that they know that there's the powerful person is going to hopefully be by their side, helping them to transition. Um, yeah. No one wants to leave this planet. I don't think anybody wants to leave it early. I think maybe later in life, they're like, shoot, I'm old. Why not? But um, <laughs> thank you for doing what you do. 50 or one, what you do is amazing. And thank you for your just service work, because I think it's such a powerful thing that a lot of people don't know who, who are these kind people who help, with the transition. So thank you. Yeah. It's a privilege. Yeah. It's a privilege. You know, as we talk about life, we've done a lot in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> what I want to, what I want to kind of do is, um, you know, talk about the sunshine, the, the things that mm -hmm. make you really excited and bring you tons of joy as you kind of described. Tell me a little bit about your personal life, married kids. Tell me a little bit about your family. Yes. So my family is super, super small because it started small. My mom, everybody on my mom's side, with the exception of two, perished in the Russian Revolution. So we were starting out with basically like, you know, grandpa and grandma. And those guys didn't really make it very long. So it's, it's always been really small. So right now I have one sister and one cousin everybody else is gone, which is sort of in, intense, but you know, I'm 57. So, you know, yeah. I'm getting on. So this starts to happen. I just left my marriage. I just left my marriage on September 20th. So we're like right there. What is it? Six weeks later or something, seven weeks later. So I'm in that um, expansion, exploring, rearranging the furniture metaphorically and physically as well. And just looking you know, getting, my, getting my curious. My dad calls that editing. Editing. <laughs> yeah. Editing and inquiring. Yeah. I'm inquiring a lot. Well, yeah. if it goes back to your 16 yeah. year old self, you know, yeah. Aston landmark type, you know, taking yeah. full responsibility. Yeah. I had yeah. to, I, it, that's, I wouldn't be taking, it's like, I really want to tell the truth. Right. You know, and when I had to tell the truth, I had to say, this isn't what's healthy for anybody anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I love the fact yeah. that your age is just a number. It's yeah. like, if you told me you were 46, I said, you look great. Like, I don't look at a, <laughs> I don't look at a number on a piece of paper and yeah. say, that's the person's age. I, I really yeah. believe, like, just listening to you and the kind soul you are and everything that you're going through to share you know, two phone calls, you know, you got people transitioning, you're going through what you're going through in life. And the thing that I wrote it down, I said, full responsibility. I, I can't really sum up anything more. 
And that's why I love what I do. Like this isn't, you can tell me all your accolades until you're blue in the face. You can tell me how much money you make until you're blue in the face. But what's the contribution to yeah. this life that you've been given? Because you and I have never seen today. Today was a brand new day for both yeah. of us. We may woke up in different time zones, but we've never seen today. And how fortunate are we are to be blessed, to be able to get to know each other in a conversation and let people eavesdrop in on it. And I guess the, the question that comes to mind is, what would you want people most to know about you? What, what would you want to be remembered as? Um, I think I would want to be remembered as somebody who reminded themselves of who they truly are or reminded themselves that the quest to find out and then remember who you are is the most important thing. It's, it's what Joseph Campbell said, that the privilege of a lifetime is discovering who you are. I like that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I want to take a break because when I come back, what I want to do is I want to talk about neuroscience and how you're helping your clients to achieve tremendous results in record time. I'm, I'm sitting, I, I know the audience is salivating. All right, Tony, enough with the pleasantries. Let's get down to business. <laughs> Let's start getting into the deep stuff. But thank you. And I want to acknowledge you. I'm using some language you recognize. I want to acknowledge you for showing up today and bringing your A game and going through what I like to say is the tough stuff. And one of the metaphors that I've used to kind of get me to where I'm at today is life's dumpster is something that I'm constantly pushing. I'm pushing it into everything that I do. It's filled with everything that I've ever seen, good, bad, and ugly. It's in my dumpster. And the people on the other side of the dumpster don't even know I'm doing it, but I am pushing it and pushing it hard. And I feel like in a short, short period of time today with you, you and I have already walked to the other side of the dumpster, opened the swing doors, and we recycled a little bit about some of our past, a little bit about our current, and we're ready to teach about the good stuff that we have learned on this journey to help people who have tuned in today, as you become the Sherpa, I become just the person on the walk with you to really teach them about what you do, how you do it, and why you do what you do to make the world a better place. So stay close. We'll be right back with today's special guest on the Be Fulfilled podcast with Christine Comfort. Are you ready to break the mold? You know, so many people seem stuck in society, but you're not one of them. If you were, you wouldn't be listening to this. But I know for a fact that right here, right now, inside you, there's greatness. And a great way to help bring that out is the 12-week journey to fulfillment. So head over to BeFulfilledJournal.com and use the coupon code PODCAST and you get a special rate on us. It's our way to say thanks for listening. As well, there's access to a private community of entrepreneurs ready to support you and your business. That's BeFulfilledJournal.com. Now let's get back to this amazing conversation. Here's Tony and Christine. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Be Fulfilled podcast. And I got to tell you, like, I was out of breath just coming back to the States after being gone and getting back acclimated to Colorado weather and the altitude. And I got to tell you, I was thirsty. I know I probably had two or three Pellegrinos so far on the show. And um, the thing that has me jumping today is Christine and just her transparency and her at 15 years old, taking full responsibility, having a teacher pace back and forth saying life is meaningless and you have no value. So the first thought that Christine pops into her head is, man, I'll just take full responsibility and create the life that I want. And I'm not going to let anybody else do it for me. 
and that's called ownership. And so, Christine, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Uh, you specialize in applied neuroscience. You talk about helping your clients to achieve tremendous results at record time. What is, for the average Joe Schmo listening right now, neuroscience? So neuroscience, the, the, the stuff that matters to, to us regular people and not the scientists in the labs is it's understanding just enough about the brain so we start to know and have clarity on why we do what we do so we can have more behavioral choice. So we can look at certain situations and say, wow, my behavioral menu is pretty impoverished here. I would like to have more choice of behaviors I could choose in this particular scenario. Also helping us understand what it is that causes us to go into fight, play, freeze, and what it is that causes us to feel expansive, collaborative, innovative, connected, awesome. It makes me think of like, there's a great book, Charles Duhigg, you probably have read it. Yeah. Why we do what we do in business and life. And you just, you broke it down to the menu. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people are looking at the appetizer and that they think that's the whole meal. They're, <laughs> they're limited in their thinking. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what the tools that you've equipped yourself with, the tools that you help others, you, you help your, your, your clients to achieve record results. What's yeah. the number one thing that like use me as your guinea pig today Use me as the person that someone can like listen to because I'll play full out with you um, to help me to kind of have an aha awakening and going, oh, I didn't realize that about myself. And then I want to talk about your work. I want to talk about your tribe. I want to talk about how people can follow you, sign up for your programs, attend a workshop. Like I want people to learn the the meat and the potatoes of Christine today because I really want that to be their highlight. They, They already got, as I like to say, acclimated with who you are. You already... I took you from surface and we put some depth into the conversation. So people are hungry now for the rest of the menu, not the appetizer. So if you want to help somebody have insights, and there are two things that we need to, to help people experience, especially at work, insights and aspiration. Their own insights, though, not somebody else's insights on a silver platter, and their own experience of aspiration. We're cold and hungry, but we're going to the Ritz-Carlton with 24-7 room service and 1,000-count Egyptian cotton sheets. So um, let's use a tool that I love, one of my favorites, the outcome frame. The outcome frame is a series of questions, and um, I will ask you these questions, and in these questions, what we're doing is we are guiding somebody into what we call a desired state, the state that they want to experience but aren't experiencing yet, and then we're letting them test drive it, and then we're doing some ecology checks to make sure it's actually okay for them to have that desired state, and then we're getting them started on creating it. So the first question in the outcome frame is, what would you like? And as you're pondering that, Tony, many people don't know what they would like, positive outcome that you can create and maintain, not for, you know, uh, to win a jillion dollars in the lottery tomorrow. No, it's something that you can create and maintain. I would like more strategic time. I would like to be peaceful inside regardless of what's happening outside. So what would you like lays out, okay, where do we now want to go? And if you can't think of what you would like, think of what you would not like. I would not like so much stress. Okay, what's the positive counterpart? Ah, I would like more peace. What would you like? I definitely would identify more peace, right? Just more um, peace uh, in my personal life, my professional life, just in the world as, as a whole, right? 
Great. Um, I tune on the news today. There's another shooting in a school that hits home, right? For me, I don't want more chaos. I want more serenity. Okay, great. We're going to say more serenity. And serenity, again, it's inside you yep. because we can't control what happens outside. Absolutely. Good. And then the next question, what will having that do for you? Meaning, what are the benefits? How will you feel? With more serenity, yeah. I will uh, definitely um, be more calm, more in tune with what I'm actually aware of um, that I'm doing, right? So like yeah. um, when I'm in a, a state of agitation and frustration, I'm, I'm not on my schedule. I'm far from it. When I'm in serenity, I'm doing the things that I know that helps me to have a great day, a great marriage, a great life. More calm, in tune, aware. Yeah. What will you be feeling? What will the emotions be besides more calm? Handful of emotions. Actually, I probably would be just still. I'd actually mm -hmm. be able to feel my, my heartbeat again. And that's my beacon for life. If, I'm, if I can be still enough and feel my heartbeat, then I know I'm, I'm where I need to be doing exactly what I said I wanted to be doing. Okay, that feeds me into the third question. How will you know when you have it? So you're going to know when you have more serenity, when you are still and you feel your heartbeat. Okay. I'm curious, any other proof points? So you'll be able to say, yeah, woo, I've got yeah, more so peace. Like, it's interesting because like you, were, you made the statement like I, it's not external, it's internal, right? So I just got back from you know, a month in Europe. I drink Pellegrino water because I, I love the fizz of the bubbles. That's not really the reason. It's when I drink the water, I'm transported to a place where I'm on the beach with my wife, the water and, and the waves are crashing, the sound of familiar voices, I'm having fresh fruit. And I just feel just peace, I'm just calm, relaxed. My life works. It's not complex. And I know that everything, my kids, family are all good and there's not a worry in the world. And that's where I, for me personally, when I drink water, it's what I visualize in my head to center myself, to get back to that moment and trying to get more peaceful, calm and relaxed. So this exercise got me back right away just to, I can visualize myself again, sitting on the beach with my wife. I love where I'm at. I like what I do. Awesome. And I want to just point out something that I thought was lovely and remarkable is the anchor, the visual auditory and kinesthetic anchor that you have associated with your Pellegrino. You recall certain visuals on the beach, you know, you recall certain kinesthetic feelings, calm, etc., peace, and you um, hear, I'm sure, certain sounds, certain sounds. So we all process information from the, from the five senses, which then drives our behaviors and drives how we feel, which you just mm. showed us. So my favorite question, question number four, this is the, what we call the ecology question. This is why a person doesn't have the outcome that they want yet. What of value might you risk or lose in getting more serenity? What side effects may occur? And usually it's time, it's money, you know, I'll have to work less, so make less money, I won't be as important, whatever. There's always an ego well, then, risk as then well. Well, the reaction, Christine, comes to, I have to give up control. Give up, oh, that's always a tasty one, okay. Um, I have to give up some control. Yeah. Um, 
I have a really unique personality. I'm sure I'm one of the only people in the world that have it. <laughs> Unlike a dimmer switch, I'm either all in or all out. There is no in between for me, right? So control is the dimmer switch. And I have a hard time giving up a little bit of control. What other side effects may occur? I get what you might risk or lose, control or some control. Yeah, I think control, um, the connections that I have in the different areas of my life and my business. I mean, uh-huh. like ship offers is my baby. It's my third child. It's, it's, I, I dream about it morning, noon, and night. I think about how can I get it better. And the last thing I want to do is give it up. Right. Like I, I, I really love what we do. I love the, the impact we've created. I love the fact that I get a part of my job. I get to interview, you know, amazing entrepreneurs. So some of that I test drove on my last trip. I mm-hmm. went on a plane, flew all my podcast equipment, took everything over to Europe, got up, worked, had a full day of fun. Then in the afternoon, about two or three, I flipped on work mode and logged in and worked with my team. And that was my test drive of what I felt. And I got to tell you, it felt amazing to empower people at the company, to give mm-hmm. people some new roles and positions. Mm-hmm. And, and we actually had a really, we had our best month. <laughs> so my business Woo! consultant was like, do you think you want to go on vacation again? I'm like, yes, sign me up. When am I leaving? Right. Because I, 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 what you were talking about, the visualization, the, the preview in the mind is sometimes never the actual feature film. It's just a short clip of kind of your fear. Yeah. So that, 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 that's what just came to me is like, good, good, good. So I don't want to, I don't want to shorten your excitement, but that, that's kind of what it was. It was like, Fear, uncertainty, and, you know, I was able to prove that it could. So, when, where, with whom would you like this increased experience of serenity? When, where, home, work, everywhere, with whom? With everybody or just with, you know, Joe Blow or your wife or whatever? Uh, no, I think uh, everywhere, not mm-hmm. just I have to leave and go to Italy with yeah. my wife, my family Good. and friends, um, coworkers. Uh, business partner, basically with all people that I come in contact with. I filter everything that I do through, you know, can I leave you better than I found you filter. Great. So. Next question. And we'll just, we'll make this one the last cause you can go on for a jillion questions. Um, what are your next steps now that we know what we know, what are your next steps in starting to increase serenity in your life? Mm, um, it was the first time that I was consistent with meditation. It was the first time that I found myself in immense amount of gratitude and really focused on, I'm always in gratitude, right? I wake up, I wrote a journal that teaches people how to do gratitude and how to be in gratitude. Mm. But this is the first time that I, it was crazy. And I know you, you were talking earlier before the show about traveling and this. It was the first time in my life that I really felt like it was the first place that I was able to bend two separate days every day out of my life. I had like huge pleasure day, fun, that I was able to do work and that was fun. And then I was able to circle back and just close it out with good meal. And anybody been to Italy know that, you know, the food's, food's like right on the top of the list of things to enjoy. So I really, for myself, I saw wow, I was really abundant in my time, my value. Mm. 
And mm. I loved every moment um, that I was gone. I never really once that mm, I missed my dogs. I mean, I miss my kids, but they're, they're out doing their thing in life. We missed our dogs and we could have transported our dogs. I think we would have been in a, even a higher state of gratitude. <laughs> awesome. So next steps, what do you want to do? What do you want to put in place to increase your experience of serenity? I think that the visualization and I think more connection, talking to my wife and making sure that we're in alignment, I call it with my, my purpose, my soul's purpose to making sure that my visual of my dreams yeah. and her visual of her dreams are in alignment. And Good. if they're not, what necessary steps could we come up? I don't necessarily want to call it a compromise, but how can I help her to win more? And how do I help myself win by collaborating together on the stated outcome? Um, Cause we're both in alignment that we want to travel. We actually, our goal is to live six months out of the year in Italy. That's our long-term goal. So that's our, that's our play to play, right? We're, we're working really, really hard to make that come a reality. So this was the initial first step of, could I make work work over there? And what would that look like next year? Um, that's now implementing flying back and forth during my time away. Like if I was living there, coming back to meetings, going to events, and then going back to that home in Italy. So that's, that's our next steps. Awesome. Thank you so much. So that was a short version of an outcome frame. Um, is it okay if I whip through a really quick sample that, that I do that everybody understands? This is your show. Okay. So here's, here's a quick one because people always think about work and how do I use the outcome frame. So here's, just, here's a quick one. So what would you like? More strategic time. What will having that do for you? Well, I'll feel more um, powerful. I'll feel more focused. I'll feel more fulfilled. I'll feel like I'm really making a difference for the company. I'll feel like I'm really doing the stuff that I should be doing. I'll be empowering my team more. Okay, great. How will you know when you have it? Well, I'll know when I have more strategic time, when I have two hours every Friday morning to do visioning and planning, when I cut my meetings by 25%, when I delegate out, you know, 30% of my low value activities. Okay, great. What a value might you risk or lose? Well, I might have to give up some control, resist the temptation to rescue, let people learn their own uh, fall down now and then and learn. I might have to feel a little bit uh, less important initially. I'll have to get my hands out of the weeds. When, where, with whom would you like it? Within 60 days with my direct reports at work. And then uh, what are your next steps? You know, set up recurring meetings to offload some leadership and offload some tasks. Make sure that everybody has uh, delegation uh, structures and effective meeting structures. Determine which meetings to cut. Determine who's going to be going to those meetings in my place. So that's sort of a, a work version that most people can relate to of the outcome frame. I love that. What would a, like, what would a home version look like, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, my amazing late great stepson spike who passed away on january 15th 2015 he was 21 years old um thank you it was a little shocking he was alive one day and then the next day boom he just didn't wake up totally healthy kid and um we used the outcome frame when he was younger because he really wanted he really wanted baseball camp and he was having a hard time connecting baseball camp and good grades so, so we use the outcome frame because it's great. It helps you forge some neural pathways. So I said, what would you like? Baseball camp, 
what was having that do for you? <laughs> well, I'll be able to hang out with my friends and I'll be able to get better at baseball, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how you know when you have it? Well, you know, when I go to baseball camp and, you know, when I do this well at baseball camp. And uh, what value might you risk or lose? This is when the magic happened. Mm -hmm. This is when he started to realize, oh, I'm going to have to actually pay for part of baseball camp. Oh, I won't get to go to baseball camp unless my grades are at a certain level. Oh, I want to change my study habits to get my grades to a certain level. And like it went on. I mean, question number four went on and on and on. And it was beautiful. And he was not doing well in school. And um, after this outcome frame, over the next nine-ish months, uh, we increased his grade point average, or he did it. He did the work, 2.34 points. Of course, got to go to baseball camp, but also got into seven colleges. So you can use the outcome frame in so many ways. I used it to help my mom die. She was tired of being angry about dying. So we used an outcome, you know, we looked, did an outcome frame to help her have a more peaceful death, et cetera. If you have a, you have, you guys have a show page, right? Can I put a, uh, can I send you a outcome frame infographic you can put up on the show page Absolutely. so people can yeah, teach well, themselves? Yeah. Good. You know, it's interesting as you're sharing and, you know, I, I've learned a lot about you from today and then researched a lot about you and, you know, people listening, if you want to learn more right now about Christine, you can go to smarttribesinstitute.com. Uh, you've written many, many books, um, but I love right on the, on the homepage, it says, is your team thriving in a world of relentless and rapid change? You can take our three-minute assessment. It's cool. Not everybody gets a Wikipedia page, so you've got an amazing one talking about some of your accolades and things that you've done, uh, but you have written some books, Rules for Renegades, Smart Tribes in 13, and then just most recently, uh, power your tribe. Um, talk a little bit about that book because I think people sometimes get tribes confused. They, they think Native Americans or whatnot, and they hear the word sure. sometimes tossed around. And I've got a tribe, a bunch of people who follow me. But what's yeah. your version of tribes? Yes, my version of tribes is people who choose to come together because they have a shared goal, a shared purpose, a shared set of values. So in empower your tribe we're really talking about resilience and the importance of emotional resilience in a crazy world where there are random shootings and random acts of violence where there are crazy political things happening on a regular basis where the world is moving faster than it ever has and where people are digitally so distracted that they're having a hard time actually communicating with each other so all the to the tools the neuroscience based tools in empower your tribe outcome frame is one of them are helping people become more resilient, have more choice. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate the clarity and give me that. I got to ask is what would be a show when you hear somebody talk about you consulted to the White House for both Clinton and Bush? I don't need to know much. I'm just curious, like how much fun was it or was it a lot of work? <laughs> both. Um, uh, Al Gore's office called me. I, w I was presenting to all the branches of the military on client server and distributed computing, you know, because my history is I was a geek. I was an engineer at Microsoft. Then I was an engineer at Apple. And I came to Microsoft after I had been a Buddhist monk for seven years. So it was kind of one monastery to the next. So it kind of was an easy transition. Um, but, uh, but I'd been with all branches of the military. And by the time I plane landed, I had a message from Al Gore's office saying, hey, we want you to help us balance the budget. If you remember, it was a long time ago, Tony, but we did have a balanced budget in the US. <laughs> we didn't have trillions of debt. Um, and um, I called back and I said, look, I'm really bad at math, but I'm really great at human behavior. 
So I'll come and I'll help your people, but I'm not going to take money from the government in terms in, to help reduce debt. That just feels wrong. So we got a bunch of technology companies, Oracle, Symantec, et cetera, to pay for my services. And it took us about two years and we helped all the people using all these neuro tools and, you know, they balanced the budget. It worked. It was fun. It was a lot of work. But there was a spirit. There was a spirit, um, which was remarkable. And then when I was called into the Bush, um, George W. Bush, to work on the Small Business Administration, it was not fun. And I ended up not moving forward with that because uh, uh, I don't want to go into politics. But certain things happened that I wasn't aligned with. Thank you. No, I appreciate you sharing. You know, Christine, it's it's always like when I'm I'm listening to people, right? And and we're talking about alignment with your soul's purpose and why you're here and what you do. And, you know, I just, you literally drop like everything, right? From Apple, Microsoft, all the companies yeah. you've helped, all the things that you do. I really kind of want to bring you along and get you into the fulfillment round because I think where the show has gone today for me is I've got this amazing teacher. I've got a purpose driven person who, who loves maybe not necessarily every day of the week loves getting a phone call saying I'm ready to help somebody transition, but being able to be there for somebody as they do work. And I love what you were talking about. I think you framed for your mom, helping her to transition very powerful because you just set up something so beautiful for a lot of people today. And I hope people come back and listen to this and then find you online and drop you a little private message or send you an email to your team just to say thanks. Cause it was, it was huge for me from the very first couple of minutes in, I got really, I got complete what I was looking for in an interview, which always is to not go on a straight journey because nothing in life is straight, but to go on a journey to feel like you climbed, you, you were, learning you you and it makes you hungry to come back for more like i want i wanted that and so i was eating off the appetizer menu and then you walked me through the main course and i, I really got some good stuff i also learned a lot more about you um which was great and i hope anybody listening will take that moment and 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 send you a little private message um i know my tribe my community of people who listen to this show are passionate about who they are they want to show up differently in the world by making an impact print and where they're at right now and leaving a ripple for the world to experience all in a positive and an impactful way. So I just want to say thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are ready to kind of journey into the fulfillment round, all I need from you is I am ready. I am ready. And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine, no digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannica's. And I promise, Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The Fulfillment Round brought to you by ShipOffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? Your go-to paradise. Place for Christine when Christine needs just to be Christine and kind of maybe kick it for a few days. Maui. Maui. You have a, do you have a specific spot in Maui you like? <sighs> I really Same like the cafe, uh, ABC corner shop. You always find yourself <laughs> getting beach towels because you left yours behind or tell me just a little bit more. I really like there are, uh, I like the trails a lot. There is a forest of Captain Cook Pines up in the Kapalua trails that is an exquisite forest. And I love being at the beach during the day and being able to then go to this deep, rich, amazing forest 
Uh, and the Pali Trail, P-A-L-I Trail, is also remarkable because there are tons of petroglyphs. And it reminds me of the story where the Pali Trail was what the Hawaiians used to take to, they would go across this very rugged, steep trail to come into Lahaina if the ocean was too choppy and they couldn't use their canoes. So they could do trading and such. And it just makes me think, wow, we have cars and all sorts of great stuff. You have huge experiences of gratitude when you do the Pali Trail. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. We're gonna take, we'll put that in the show notes for everybody listening. Um, are you a coffee drinker? Sometimes. Mostly decaf, Notice the though. big difference between coffee you drink where you're at and then in Maui? Um, in Maui, I can actually drink caffeinated coffee and not get crazy. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> On the mainland, it better be decaf or it's going to be frightening. <laughs> um, I mentioned ABC. So, you know that you yeah, know, all blocks ABC covered stores. or ABC stores yeah. everywhere. What's something when you, you look around your life that you've really been able to create with the ABCs? Like that kind of idea that you, you've, you've abundantly made this happen in your life. Ah, oh my gosh. Um, I'm not quite sure how to say this, but uh, transmission, I want to say. Um, these books that I write and the blogs, and now that I've just started doing a, a podcast too, it's like if I just get still, so much information comes through me. So I think I'm a good scribe, you know, I think, or even a good, you know, admin assistant. I, when people say to me, my hospice patients, oh, you know, heal me. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the FedEx lady. I'm the FedEx lady. I deliver the package. I don't know what's in the package, but I'm going to deliver it. And I feel like that's kind of what I do a lot, you know? Thank you. That, that was a really good, I got the visual too, and I got it. And I want to say thank you. A couple more questions for you. What brings you joy? Ah, uh, scratching my dog's belly. <laughs> what kind of dog? <laughs> Scottish Terrier. Wonderful. How old? Oh my old? gosh. He's so cute. Six. Okay. Six. And where, how, have you had your dog the whole time? The whole time. Well, um, this is my fourth Scottish Terrier. I really? Think they are they are my dog. They are the type of dog that work best for me. They're very smart and funny. I, I saw somebody posted today the type of dog that they best relate to. Um, so you're a Scottish Terrier person. I like I that. I am. I'm a Scottish um, Terrier. I have a Yorkshire Terrier. Oh. She's she is 14 and she weighs wow. just under four pounds. Wow. Okay. Terriers. Is, they're awesome. Yeah, she is. She is smart. She is persistent, and every time she goes to the bathroom, she wants her blueberry, and she'll go five <laughs> times and pedal like four of them just to come in and get blueberries. Like I love. I love the fact that she uh, she knows how to play with my heart. Um, all right. Not knowing if they have or haven't, but I know that a producer from Hollywood uh, reached out to my team and said, after your interview today with Christine on the Be Fulfilled podcast show, we're going to make a movie about her. But Christine talked about her busy schedules. She loves being in Maui. She, uh, she's really doing a lot of transformational work right now, so she's too busy. But we need somebody who could play her in Hollywood. What comes to mind, Christine, of somebody who could play you in Hollywood? <sighs> Oh boy. Um, well, when my first book was Act Rules for Renegades, which is sort of a wild and crazy memoir, um, when that was actually being considered for, for film, they were looking at Anne Hathaway. 
Um, I don't know, though. I think like a younger Goldie Hawn or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wow, I like that. All right. So I asked you about what uh, movie, I talked about what brings you joy, talked about your go-to for paradise, talked about some trails. What's some mantra, some quote, something that maybe is by your bedside table Mm. that you find yourself gravitating too often to read to help maybe center you back to the person that's on this life's mission to, to, to leave a ripple effect in the world and bring change and to help people and companies and all that. What's something that yep. really strong. Good. So one of my friends, Laura Fenimore just gave me this quote and it's hanging right here on my uh, computer and it's, it's by somebody I'm not that familiar with him. Osho, I guess he's a spiritual teacher. Um, but the quote is drop the idea of becoming someone because you are already a masterpiece. You cannot be improved. You have only to come to it, to know it, to realize it. Wow. Well, thank you for letting me start with a blank canvas today, handing you um, some really amazing tools like two, uh, you know, brushes and paint and painted a masterpiece today for us and the audience and everyone. So thank you for doing that and being uh, open to you know, when you say yes to a podcast, you never really know what's coming, right? <laughs> but hopefully I left you moved and inspired and excited and grateful that you got to participate on the Be Fulfilled show because I know myself and my team and everybody that's got a chance to work with you and your team, it's been just an awesome privilege and an honor. So thank you very much. You're welcome. My team asked me to say one last thing, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Um, anytime. So we do this retreat once a year and they wanted me to mention it. And the website is beyondyourbrain.com. Beyondyourbrain.com. And uh, we go out in nature and people get very deeply connected to what fulfills them and what their purpose is, and they deepen their relationships with themselves, etc. We go to ancient Indian, uh, Miwok Indian land, and people really drop in. And it just seems like I should mention that because it seems like your crowd might resonate with that. I like it. So it's beyondyourbrain.com? Correct. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Christine coming forward. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. She drops something and I hope you take her up on it and learn more. I'm in a deep dive and discover. I, um, as I say, every time as we wrap up the show, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeyer.com. Enter your details to get the first week of the Be Fulfilled Journal for free. It includes access to our private community of thousands of other entrepreneurs. It'll give you more clarity and freedom in your day. And it might just change your life forever. <laughs>